Rabbi, good morning. Good morning. Buddy, it's just another Friday here in Martin County and, and, and you know, seeing you on a Zoom call with your beautiful hair, your locks of love, and it's just, it, it makes my day so much better. I, it, look, if I can get your wife to cut my hair, I'd be, I, 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 I could look like you. Yeah, but I don't know if you want to do that. My, my hair is a little bit of a, of a disaster zone as it is, um, but um, it's good to talk about these very surface issues right now where our country is dealing when they're, with when they're When they're major, major, major boiling over issues that are plaguing us in our... Yeah, right, right, right. But, but, the, but the time is hot. The time is hot right now. And um, as we know that uh, I think we're entering our 10th or 11th day of, of the protests um, from uh, the murder of George Floyd. Uh, which has brought incredible attention way beyond George Floyd about um, just institutional racism and the issues that have been uh, plaguing our country from the very beginning. So we're starting to have conversations that we've never had before. Uh, and so um, we, we knocked on the door of, of, of Reverend uh, Melanie Mullen. It was a long knock because she's all the way on DC, all the way on DC. And so wait, wait, let me lock. Reverend Melanie, is that you? That is me, all the way in D.C. through the magic of the Internet. Yeah. All right. So uh, are, are, are you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into today, but uh, are, are you are you happy? Are you scared to be here with a priest and a rabbi? I'm delighted. I, I'm always thrilled to talk with folks who who spend time talking and thinking about things. And so, um, yeah, and I'm just I'm feeling you in, in sunny Florida. You know, I'm wishing I was there with you. But yeah, this is great. All right. Well, um, we're 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 just. We know all the great work you, you do. Um, and so you all, uh, for, for our audience, are about to meet our, our wonderful Reverend Millen Mullen for the next hour. She's the Director of Reconciliation, Justice, and Creation Care. Um, that's it. That's all she has to worry about um, for, the, for the Episcopal Church. Um, so come with us. Join us on this episode uh, as we're going to really be talking about how do communities of faith respond uh, to the movement that's happening in America? Uh, how can they carry forth? Because we all know this is going to be a marathon. So how do communities of faith act and be, be part of the leadership uh, that, that leads this so there could be real change and real reform? Uh, Reverend Melanie is going to be leading us uh, in, in talking about that and also her experience of what her position does. So Reverend Melanie, are you ready to go? I'm so ready. Yeah. Your coffee. You get, you get to go. So, but, but Rabbi, how are you feeling with your locks of love? Feeling good? I'm, I'm feeling great. Wait, 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 wait. So wait, we're on video right now. So Reverend Melanie, are you drinking kombucha? I am. Good. Yeah. Wow. DC hipster to the core. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, you are. All right. All right, guys. So enjoy. Um, and please uh, comment if you're on a podcast platform, if you're on Apple Podcasts, it allows you to leave a comment. It really greatly helps our um, our analytics and people to find us. Even if you don't like us, to say that Priest Guy is a total obnoxious clown. That too helps our analytics. Um, and share this with others. So God bless you. And let's get into this next hour with Reverend Melanie Mullen. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the program hosts and their guests and are not necessarily those of WSTU, St. Mary's Episcopal Church, and Temple Bait Hyam. Products that may be mentioned are not necessarily intended as an endorsement. Any reproduction or retransmission of this broadcast is strictly prohibited. And now, WSTU presents a priest and a rabbi. Call in with questions and comments at 220-9788, 220-WSTU. Now, here's your host. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> this is Father Christian Anderson here with the best-looking rabbi you've seen this side of the Jordan River. It is my colleague and my friend, my rabbi, Rabbi Matthew Durbin from Temple Beth Hayam. How are you? 
going to do very well this, uh, this fine, um, uh, almost non-raining morning here in South Florida. Yeah, lots of rain, nonstop rain. Um, our music director at the church uh, had to move out of his place because it was flooded, flooded. I don't know if, you, if anyone in your congregation to deal with flooding, but so uh, like we're going to be like holding like a, a, a telethon to get him all new furniture because it's been like. Well, you know, uh, you know it's, it, it's amazing because I'm sure many of us have experienced um, the, the very high level of water that is uh, uh, flooded on our streets. And the other day, uh, my kids, my kids have gone out and we're just amazed by the fact that there is a lake um, and river right outside in my driveway. So, you know, as a parent, my kids get in, you know, they see the excitement. The probably says, I, it's so dirty. They're going to bring it into the house, you know. And then I took that moment, stepped back and said, they're never going to see this again. You know, I mean, I grew up in a major city. We never really had flooding. I never got to see it. So my kids literally put on bathing suits. And, 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 and I say this, I say this, uh, you know. Uh, um, uh, Use your words. They, they get in their bathing suits and literally start doing uh, laps uh, down the street uh, in this rush of water. I mean, it was just amazing. Amazing to see these kids. I mean, for my kids, uh, I think the water had come up to um, almost uh, well past their ankles. So, I mean, they were, they were, they were playing and, and, and literally doing like front crawl swimming uh, in the street. It, it was remarkable. Amazing. That's great. Ringworm is really an awesome um, addition to any child's life. So I'm glad that you brought that to them. Um, <laughs> so um, anyhow, so speaking about the water is deep and the water is rising, um, the water continues to rise uh, for the call for racial justice uh, across our country. And the movement shows no signs of slowing down, which is uh, wonderful news. And as people of faith, we uh, are saying, well, great, this is, this, is, this, is, this is good. And we ask ourselves, how do we as clerics uh, be able to carry forward the movement? So this is not just a flash in the pan. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we've seen across the country that's been happening. You know, what, one thing that, that concerns me, just as a concern, is that there's not a, like a clear leader, right? And, and, and so uh, I just get flashbacks to like the Arab Spring of when there was all this great swell of movement um, that was happening of the people. Uh, and, and, but, but then since there wasn't a clear leader, it, it, it fizzled. Um, I don't think that's gonna happen here. Um, uh, but, but, I, but in the midst of this, I think that the faith communities can all be respective leaders of their, of their own communities that they lead and take all of the, 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 the reform um, and the awareness now that I think that a lot of us didn't have, especially in white America, like a, an awareness um, of, of the experience, of what it is for our black brothers and sisters in this country and the work that need, desperately needs to be done. We can bring that back um, and be the leaders within our own community. Uh, and, and, and so now we have this permission of like, let's talk about it, let's get into it, let's do it. Um, and um, so I, I am, I am, very excited for for what 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 God is up to right now. How how are you feeling as for, from through a spiritual lens on, on the movement of our country? You know, it's 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 been really it's been disheartening to watch and to be able to see the pain and the suffering that so many are going through. Um, um, uh, to see the challenges that are that 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 are there and the fact that. Changes in the air. We're moving. I mean, when we look at some of these demonstrations and these protests that are peaceful in nature and we see, uh, you know, uh, police departments and sheriff departments that 
are kneeling in solidarity and say, this is not right. I mean, let's take it to our own with uh, Martin County, where our sheriff had said a couple of days ago that, you know, these tactics are not to be used. And we, you know, it's about foresight, it's about knowledge, and it's about, it's about compassion. It's about seeing people as people. And, and, and that adage that we say of innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. And I think, I think we're seeing, we're seeing real change, uh, at least, at least the way that I'm seeing it. Um, and, and, and I'm hopeful that this change is not a fleeting moment, that it's not something that we're going to come back to and revisit in, in another 50 years from now, but that, that, that something, something feels different. Something feels different. It does. And, and I think we're seeing things that are happening rather quickly that normally just wouldn't happen. Uh, like I think just even the, uh, having these uh, police officers brought up on charges, uh, normally an investigation into a, uh, uh, an abuse of power with an officer would just take, I mean, I'm, I'm no professional in this department, but like just would take, from what I understand, a very long time. It's an exhaustive investigation. This thing got turned around in a week. So I know in some, for, for, for many, it is, um, it's taken too long, but compared to how normally this would happen, when you're bringing up charges against a police officer, it usually takes a long time. And, you know, we but I also wonder how much of it too is also based on the public and the power of the voice. Absolutely. We want answers and we want it now. And we're not going to sit here and watch as you twist the arguments, as you say that, you know, whatever it may be, that, that, that information gets lost through uh, dissemination. We have the facts. We have everything here. We want, and, and as we heard, you know, the other day with the district attorney um, or the state's attorney, um, never in the history of Minnesota have they ever um, had such a charge go so quickly right. from a Monday incident to a Friday being charged with, uh, now we know, second degree murder. I mean, just uh, it, it, remarkably fast. But I think that the credit there goes to the power of the people the power to be able to make effective change and to say, we're not standing by this anymore. Enough. The spirit of God is moving upon us. Uh, and uh, so we want to, today on today's show, say, well, how does the faith community join um, effectively to be a part of this? The effective faith community is. Um, you and I, or you're a pre, I mean, you're, you're, wait, you're the rabbi, I'm, I'm the priest. priest. <laughs> That'd be a fun switch day, right? Um, but how, how, how do we effectively say, okay, we're in this for the marathon. We run or run or run, um, run shoulder to shoulder um, with our sisters and brothers. How do we do this? So we always like on the show, like to bring on someone who's so much smarter than we are. Um, and uh, in Can I, let, gonna... me, let me just, let me just reference one more thing before we bring on our, our awesome speaker, which I think is actually really important and significant is that even if you look at what happened here, um, uh, even in our own in our own area here in Stewart, where we had a march that was on Sunday, right? Over 500 people came. We're still in the midst of a pandemic, and the fact that people put that aside and said, "You know what? The risk is much more important for me to have my message communicated across and to come in solidarity and to show up and to use my voice." And I think that that's something very powerful that I think it's scant mention is that with all these rallies, with all these protests, with all these people coming together to finally stand up and say enough is enough, that we're also in the midst of a major and massive pandemic that could see its second wave and a surge in it. We know that cases are still on the rise in Florida, but there's something, I don't know, there's something that, that really struck me of 
you know what? There may be a national health, international health crisis, but this is an international health crisis as well. This yeah. is a race issue that needs to be addressed and rectified right now. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more, um, which doesn't happen often on the show. So I'm kidding. Uh, so <laughs> let's let's introduce uh, the Reverend Melanie Mullen, um, who's out in D.C. She's she's out on the front lines. Uh, she's the director of reconciliation, justice and creation care uh, for the Episcopal Church. Uh, and uh, and as, as the rabbi said, how many positions does the Episcopal Church have anyways? But anyways, we, we are so just excited to have Reverend Melanie here. Reverend Melanie, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I know your plate Thank is so you. full right now. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be in conversation with you. Um, you all are living and doing this truth because you're having these conversations, and I am thrilled to be a part of it. One of the five people on the Episcopal Church's staff, the denomination-wide, um, I won't say national because we are international staff that are Committed to doing our business and doing the ministry out in the world, and this is this is a time for us to see it. Yeah, great. So tell us a little bit about you. You are, um, you know, we were joking beforehand, or the rabbi was joking, like, gosh, how many positions does the National Church have, or the Episcopal Church? But 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 for, for you are part of a, a more of a, a position that was added lately, part of a team of folks. Can you tell us about like what you do and about just really the the, the team that you're a part of and the goals that you guys have? Yeah, we are part of the folks who are part of the office of the presiding bishop. So our church is organized. We've got a head, uh, presiding bishop Michael Curry, better known as the royal wedding preacher. And he reflects the will and desires of all Episcopalians. There's two million plus of us in the U.S. who vote and have decided that really addressing systemic injustice, racism and inequality is important as well as thinking about climate change and thinking about the ways in which our society should be more accountable and live the way Jesus taught us to. And so we are the team, Reconciliation, Justice, Creation Care, and Domestic Poverty, to go alongside churches that are thinking about these things because they're, you all know, are really doing the work out there, but we're here to support and uh, witness and equip as best we can for folks all over the U.S. and in Haiti and Mexico and Canada who are thinking and doing this work. So you've been doing this work for, for quite some time and planting seeds and uh, you guys have had a, a program a pro program called the Beloved Community, which was a way for all the parishes throughout the whole Episcopal Church to kind of grow into and start talking about racial reconciliation and uh and, and racism and uh um you talk about the, the the scary p word privilege right um but but then then all of a sudden uh george floyd happened so what what has just been your life like for you and your team uh these these last 10 days yeah it's probably no secret that um being an episcopalian means you are part of a church that is 90 percent white and for folks who aren't 90% white in their congregations, who've been thinking about for a while, what does it mean to live in a world in which there's still racism? And we're a historic church. Um, we love history and tradition and really thinking about what happens when the first folks who landed on the shores of Jamestown, Virginia, bringing the Church of England with them and starting the roles and the laws and the customs that created slavery and created the system that we live in and all that we've inherited. Um, so we're a uh, group of congregations and a nomination that thinks that number one, we've got to tell the truth about history. 
it's hard. It's been hard, um, but we're telling an honest truth and we were in the midst of creating programs and uh, tools for educating ourselves about this when, as you said, um, history has jumped to meet us. Um, this work is ongoing, but the crisis that we've seen, not only from um, the killing of George Floyd, but also the COVID crisis is bringing a lot of this to our forefront. What does it mean when you live in a world where there is so much inequality, um, where some people suffer so much based on their race, the color of their skin, the zip code where they live, the arbitrariness of it all, and what is our responsibility as people to face? So it's a it's a hard time. You're right, a busy time, but this is that tool that we're trying to meet it with faith and um, listen to God going through it and hold hands with our neighbors as we do it. Can you tell us a little bit more about what it's like to have both these these two causes that, for what I'm hearing from you, are, are not separate. It's not like you're like, oh, we got one COVID-19 thing going on over here. And now we have this whole, the George Floyd movement of racial of racial justice and, 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 uh, um, and, That's and right. reconciliation. So how how do these two work together from, from, from your perspective uh, and for your team's perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And this is not just church people saying this. I think people are realizing that COVID has made us intensely aware of where there are inequalities. When we're seeing the massive death toll of people of color, when we're seeing how hard it is for some people to be able to socially distance because if they still have a job, they have to be on the front line, be they working in the grocery store or driving the bus. We're seeing parishes and people of goodwill all across the country that realize that the soup kitchen line has gone up tenfold, not twofold, but tenfold, and how there are communities that were already experiencing inequality are getting the hardest hit. COVID has really made us really aware of this, and I think having this crisis in this time, in the place where we've been reflecting, we've been social distancing, we've been sitting at home and thinking about the, the fear and the trauma that is COVID has made us sort of really ready to be attentive to seeing how these other crises interact. I mean, we call that intersectional justice. I know that's the academic word, but it really is. There's not just one thing that holds people down, not just one thread that we can fix and make it all go away. And um, so thinking about the history and the ways in which we've invested in places that create just bad implications in, of racism also are the things that make healthcare really vulnerable for those who are have the least to um, offer. So um, yeah, we're, we're seeing how all these things kind of go together and sort of corrupt our ability to be a beloved community at the same time. Yeah, the corruption of the beloved community idea. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful phrase. And so there's this, this vision that we all have from, from Genesis that we're all made in, in God's image, right? And so, so God doesn't say some are made in my image and there's others who are less than. There's others that are three-fifths of, of, of the image of God uh, that all are made in the image. And we just keep on trying to get back to Eden where, we're, where, where we can really truly realize that as a human population. Um, and I think but, it's also important to recognize too, you know, and I know, I know Father Anderson, we, we, we've mentioned this um, uh, numerous times, you know, especially when we go back to those, you know, beginning um, verses of, of, of the Torah of, of Genesis that says that when God created man and woman, he created them equal. And it's not just about equality between men and women, but equality between person to person. We are equal, equal before God, equal before one another. 
And I think that disparaging inequality, uh, which has obviously plagued uh, all of us for, 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 for millennia, I think is now, is now really, really bubbling over. Yeah, and it's, 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 we share a holiday, you know, with the, uh, so we just celebrated Pentecost, which is, is not a Christian holiday, right? It's a Sukkot, right? For, for, for Shavuot, Shavuot. Shavuot, yeah, there we go. I said that, I nailed that. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and, but this, for, for, so for the Christian perspective, that's the time when every, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Rabbi, but, you know, every Jewish male had to be in Jerusalem because it's one of the three primary feasts. And so you have Jews from all over, from different countries there who speak different languages. And so for the Christian tradition, that's the time when God decides to send the Holy Spirit um, upon us that allows us to hear all these different languages. And it's this way, it's it's upon all men. It's just hearkening back to Joel, the prophet Joel, saying, I will send my spirit upon all, all my people, right? So this, 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 we are reminded, and there's no surprise, I think, to us is that, that. Pentecost would happen during this time of when, you know, Joel, the prophet Joel even says the signs will be that there will be fire and smoke and blood. And my gosh, have we seen a lot of that over the last 10 days of fire, smoke Mm -hmm. and blood. And and so there is going back to Reverend Melanie, what you were saying Mm -hmm. is that there is something stirring here. And 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 that that feels different from any other kind of movement that we all know in our in our time. I think we're kind of maybe in the same generation here. <laughs> um, and 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 so God is speaking to us. And from a Christian perspective, it definitely I don't know about you, Reverend Melanie, but feels like there's a Pentecostal moment here where where the yeah. Spirit is just shaking us and stirring us, and the fires, the tongues of fire. It's not so weird, Rabbi. You're gonna be like, you Christians are whack jobs, but the tongues of fire coming from the sky and touching upon us and say, please just speak and listen to one another. But has that come up at all, Reverend Melanie, as, as you all do the incredible work you guys have been doing? Recently? Totally. You would have to have no eyes and ears to not sort of see that the world is swirling around us. It really does feel like we're in a storm. But um, as my um, grandma would say in Goldsboro, North Carolina, there's also nothing new under the sun, baby. Um, the sense of a time of terror and fear um, when you look at our elders is not new. And there's something about this particular type of scariness that's just not dread. Uh, it also indicates perhaps there's something about hope in there. That's, you know, we might call it the Holy Spirit or, you know, God's moving on the waters. There's both um, a frighteningness, but a capacity for incredible change. And Things are happening that I don't think any of us had ever thought could happen. All of a sudden, um, yesterday, there were a thousand children at the Washington National Cathedral praying. They come from all over to march. The way the entire world is paying attention to this, the way small towns and rural communities are coming together and all paying attention and thinking and asking hard questions, this, in my opinion, we call that nothing but God. Um, but there's, there's some to this ingestion there is hope there is hope and um and i'm thinking also about the other generations that have probably been experiencing something like this you know in the 60s we had um priests and rabbis walking together martin the king and rabbi heschel were good buddies and they said you know it felt like our legs were shaking and our feet were praying um mm. so so we've experienced this before just not in this generation and now perhaps is the time that we get to really address these deep underlying issues because we're all we're all feeling it so in a position that you're in with uh and you have connection and communication with you know the 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 church at whole the whole episcopal church um 
how has your team begun to sort of uh, offer, I guess, uh, uh, direction and guidance? I'm sure you're, you're, there's a lot of phone calls and emails coming in being like, okay, now what do I do? What do we do here, right? Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Kansas, I'm in Chicago, I'm in Alaska, and we have this church and we wanna know how we best can join this, this movement. Uh, have those kind of phone calls coming in or is it just still everyone's just still in shock just being like just getting out and marching every kind of phone call has come in and every kind of bishop be they in the midwest or in the south or in the northeast has been coming together and asking what do we do and the answer are going to be different for different folks from where you live but um i just love that folks have been thinking primarily well we do the things we've always done number one we come together and we hold each other we listen and we value each other, and then we give each other in space. Um, but it's, it's been a frightening time. But presiding Bishop Michael Curry, he made a statement to the church, and then as we we're asking all these questions, he made a website overnight. You know, what are the things that you can do to address racialized violence and inequality? And there were tools that are, you know what, nothing new, but now's the time to really pay attention to them. And so there are things from like, how do you learn to listen to your neighbor? To how do you really um, understand what's going on with your local community and your police system? Um, so new ways of approaching old tools. And finally, mm -hmm. we're learning, but we're also praying, and then we're going to act together. And so now is the time for a lot of us to learn and learn deeply, probably all of us. Um, where are the voices that you hadn't heard before? We're seeing it. We're forced to learn it when we watch on YouTube and Facebook and Netflix, these live streams of violence of uprisings happening, but what can we learn about it? And so we're um, really doing that, but then we're praying into it because we're, we're church people, we're people of faith. And um, these are the kind of things that people prayed about in the Bible of old, and we can still look to God for guidance of that. And we're gonna act, we're gonna walk together, we're gonna build together, we're gonna ask each other what to do next, so, yeah. Is that piece of the, when you talk to folks uh, on the phone, that there's a little bit of being saying, of, of telling them, Hey, you got this. Like the seeds are there or planted. This is this is not like COVID-19 where we're just like, oh, oh my gosh, we've never experienced this before. Like we we have the tools of, of how to approach this. The church has been there before. This is community building. This is just basic skills of listening. Um, is, is there a little bit of just sort of like a pep talk of saying, trust, trust that you as a uh, either lay leader or a clergy member have all the skills and gifts that are needed in order to uh, uh, be instrumental and part of, the, of this movement? Absolutely. But we would be human if we didn't feel a little bit of fear at this moment. And so we're all reminding each other, you know, we've been doing community building work, but it's okay to be afraid right now. Um, but as the bishop reminds us, but this is not the moment to be paralyzed. Um, we're not paralyzed. We feel the fear. We know it, but we're not slaves to fate. And so we've been working on community building everybody has in some little way. And now's the time to really go back to that, to think about the places which we've tried to do racial justice work or reconciliation work. Those are part of our identity. You know, if you're a Christian, you were baptized, you pledged to sort of follow Christ and you pledged to kind of go into the water and come out the other side. So um, we're learning that we've got the skills there, but we just all need the reminder because it is, it is frightening. It's a scary time. This is new and change, but um, bishops, uh, church leaders all across the country are thinking about what can we share with where we've already done. There are some gifts and some blessings we've already had, and that's the time to really go into it. And so part of it's just, you've got voices, you've got stories, tell them. 
now's the time to tell them and listen to your neighbors. But yeah, it's, 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 um, it's all new. <laughs> It is, no, it is. And, and you have a perspective that for like the rabbi and myself, we're, we're here in, in, in Stewart, Florida. So our protests have been uh, very peaceful. I mean, the sheriff and the, uh, the, the, the uh, chief of police came out, they spoke at the rally. So there's been a very uh, a communal approach to this. You're in DC, you're in the front line, you're seeing something very different. So that fear is even more potent. We see it on the screen. Uh, you are, you're on the front lines, you know, you, you, you're the, the local bishop in DC, uh, the Bishop Washington, you know, uh, Marion Buddy, she's been in the, <laughs> she's right. been in the press. Uh, you've, ex you've, I'm sure you've experienced the, uh, the force of, um, of, uh, right. of, of, let's say the uh, law enforcement, um, whatever, you know, the various departments that have been called in there. Um, so when we come back, we'll, let, well, let's touch a little bit upon that. Um, but, uh, talk more about just as, as people of faith, uh, why are we so poised to be, uh, great leaders in this movement and how can anywhere from a mosque to a temple to a church really be we're just poised for this and, and why, why is that so we're going to go deeper to that let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back we have reverend melanie mullen here on a priest and a rabbi she's the director of reconciliation justice and creation care for the episcopal church uh, we'll be right back You're listening to a priest and a rabbi podcast. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and please leave a rating and a review, five-star rating and a positive review if you can. We certainly appreciate it. That is the best way to make sure that others out there just like you can find this podcast. If you want to get in contact with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin, you can do so by emailing a priest and a rabbi at gmail.com. And the absolute best way to get a hold of the fellas is to call into the radio show. This podcast airs live on the radio every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on WSTU 1450. And you can listen live online at WSTU1450.com. And if you want to join the show, you can call in to 772-220-9788. That's 772-220-WSTU. Hey, everyone. This is Father Christian here on A uh, Priest and a Rabbi. So happy for you to be here on this podcast with us. And, and I want to uh, let you know that I have uh, started a uh, YouTube channel called Your Favorite Christian. And you can check it out on YouTube. And uh, every Monday, I drop a new episode. And it's always through the lens of faith, but taking on different topics such as dating, relationships, marriage, pop culture. Uh, I've done one recently where I went out to the art show and talked about how do we find our relationship with God through all the what all the latest artists are doing. Um, last week was what do women really want um, in a man uh, and interviewing different people to be a part of that. So uh, please check that out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, share, uh, put on the notifications so you get that every Monday. Um, I also want to let you know of uh, we this podcast wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a generous donor from St. Mary's Episcopal Church who wishes to remain anonymous. All he asked, though, was that um, the information gets out that St. Mary's Episcopal Church here in Stewart has a healing center. And so you can call if you're looking for a counselor, someone to be there for you during a challenging time. And you can call the church at 772-287-3244. We also have a group of Stephen ministers 
leaders who have been trained over 50 hours of training to be with you and walk with you during a time of crisis. They are not counselors. They are trained just to be more the presence um, of, of Christ or and, and walk with you during a time of crisis, whether it's a, a good crisis of having, oh, my gosh, my daughter's about to get married, or if there's something a little bit heavier. So give us a call, 772-287-3244, and I thank that anonymous donor who uh, makes this all possible. All right, God bless you, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Stewarts, welcome back to A Priest and a Rabbi, where today we are um, having a very special treat as we have uh, Reverend Melanie Mullen out of D.C., part of the Episcopal Church, to come discuss with us uh, and your own reflections on um, the challenges that we have within the country and certainly around the world and racism and how we address the the. um, how do we how do we even engage in the conversation to you know for for some who may say you know it doesn't exist it's not here um which i i, I actually very much struggle with because i think one who says it doesn't exist and it's not here is not open uh and not opening their eyes uh and only seeing things through uh one lens but um um it is uh, uh so 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 reverend melanie just to kind of get your your thoughts on it and, 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 and a little bit of background. Um, I think I think I heard you said your grandmother lives in North Carolina. That's right. That's right. And I spent all my summers uh, both picking snap peas and um, walking in the hot sun across the trail tracks. And, um, and, you know, I think we all have something, hopefully a touchstone to realize that folks have been through hard times before, but they they have the capacity to be resilient, even in the face of like, fear and um, pain and confusion. Um, and, but this is a unique time. It is confusing. I um, was was with uh, like my local bishop just Monday as we were on the steps of uh, the parish uh, right across from the White House. And to see so many um, lovely suburban pastors um, joining in and passing out water bottles and feeling like they were being supportive and doing their duty faithfully and then to experience tear gas and um, law enforcement folks running at them and feeling afraid, hurt, frightened, and confused. I think I think that's the reaction when you don't realize that this could happen to me, mm. that um, I could be put in a position of danger even if I'm just living um, as I thought was part of my ethical intention. I think that's it's a, that's the thing we're holding in, 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 in tension right now within ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. It's not something that's way out there for other people. This, this could happen to any of us. And so it's kind of hard to take a breath and realize, but we've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got elders and leaders who've done this before, but um, all that work has to happen right now. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and 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 for you, just 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 a little bit of background. Um, you know, for you growing up, were were, were were there these tensions and these challenges when you were growing up? Have you seen it getting worse? Maybe getting better? I mean, you know, what in your own perspective? How 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 how, how do we see it? Yeah, I mean, I I'm not, I'm a child of the '80s, and so I grew up in the very optimistic time um, where folks were not seeing color and. Um, trying to put their, you know, sights solely forward-looking, 
but also feeling that like that sadness and tension when the reality is there's still systems of um, nothing less than oppression around us. Um, how do you explain how there were so many um, little boys in my elementary school class that weren't with us when we got to high school and didn't manage to go to college? I and really understanding that there's a there are pieces of oppression that were put into place. You know, the school to prison pipeline, the idea that um, the effects of drug wars had a, such a horrible impact on black communities. Um, sort of look back and realize as much as we try to be forward-looking and hardworking, um, we drag that legacy with us. And when we don't tell the honest truth about that story, it is, it is all the more um, terrifying and um, grief-causing. And so, yeah, you know, being a Southerner, um, and being a part of a community that's trying to figure out, do we bring up the past and when? Mm. It's painful. Um, it, it's, it's really challenging. And um, serving in congregations in Virginia and North Carolina as well, where folks are um, long, long residents. You know, we're all related. We've all been there for generations. And it's painful to sort of say, when's the time to really think about uh, when folks were in high school and some folks got to go to school and some folks, you know, didn't, mm. when there was massive resistance or when folks, you know, had generations of folks who, who worked for one another and, and live in places of inequality and um, give congregations that were always afraid to walk across the train tracks mm. to see the other side of folks that they've known for years. Um, these things are painful. And I think um, I, I've loved seeing elders take the first step and I think the young generations are taking the second step now to sort of have that conversation, but we all need each other to do it. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So in, in your mind, where, where, where does this all take us? Where does, where does it all begin? I mean, we know, you know, we know the famous adage that says, look, it, 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 starts, it starts from birth, right? It, it's, it's how we talk about other people. It's how we, it's how we, um, yeah. It's how we educate. It's how we learn. It's how we see one another. And it all starts at such a young age. Is that really the case? Or, you know, can we, can we teach an old dog new tricks and try and change the mentality uh, at whatever age to start seeing the humanity in each and every single person created in God's image? Yeah, I love that question because the one thing that we are absolutely clear is that that, you know, if you're thinking about racism, it's not a characteristic of a person. You're not racist in your blood or DNA uh, anymore that a person is, you know, uneducated. It's their learned behaviors. Um, we like to say when we do our sort of courses and, and do our sermon preparation that, you know, racism is a thing like water and all fish are wet. We are all a part of this system. And we can all learn to see the water around us, that we all are um, whole bits of it together, but it's, it's not about, I'm, am I a bad person? Mm. Um, as um, folks in Virginia used to say when we were talking about thinking about the history of segregation in the Confederacy, it's not about whether or not your, your great grandma is in hell, it's about, do we see the brokenness now around us? Um, mm. and, and, and then realizing, yeah, these are about choices we can make, and there is hope once we learn to tell the but um, not inherent characteristics, and we are not doomed. We are not hopeless to do this, mm. but we can learn uh, to tell the truth because once we can tell the truth, we can repair the breach. So, yeah. 
absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, what, what measures and what steps have, have, have the church done both say on a national or international level, uh, to try and, I'm reluctant to say remedy the situation because I don't think the situation is easily remedied. Um, I think that there's a, a much longer and larger conversation that needs to happen on uh, both a national and international level. Uh, I think I think one of the uh, amazing things that we're seeing now is, you know, what what's going on with uh, the challenges in the United States have uh, a, the, the ripple effect. Um, you know, the events that happened with with George Floyd and. Um, uh, um, um, Arbery, you know, all these old, and obviously countless others that, you know, we could be here till, till next week discussing. But the interesting thing is it is now spilled into international countries around the world that are taking right. up the same cause. From England to Germany to, you know, Italy. I mean, it's it's all over. Um, you know, and, and, and just wondering what, 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 what what the response or the thought level would be from both from the church and you know from your perspective you know how do you see this totally i there's something about the way that these things have spread like wildfire um across uh state boundaries and even international boundaries that sort of resonate within me as going there's a truth here um and a, tr a burning truth that we have not addressed but well i think the one thing for the church and for folks of faith is thinking that you know we are still going to practice the way of love, but we're learning that the way of love now means that you're a reconciler, you're a justice bearer, you're a healer, and that means you heal the divide. So, I mean, we're not like wishy-washy do-gooders talking about love and patting you on the head. We really want to say that love means that you look hard at where systems are broken and you own it. And it looks very differently in different places. Some places is about um, criminal justice reform. Some places is about loving folks who get out of incarceration. Some places it's about making sure people have equal access to healthcare and food and the sources that um, all humans need for life. But um, we have to see that there's a, there's a commonality to our desire to make this change. And then through that, we learn to look really locally. But um, it's, yeah, you're right, it's everywhere. This problem is di different faces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, I am always inspired by um, folks who've managed to build community, even in the midst of this. I, we've heard from folks in churches in Minnesota, where uh, some streets, places where the streets are burning and where there's barricades going up, they're going out together, they are meeting with their interfaith and ecumenical communities and their neighbors because they're friends and they're pulling resources and they're bagging lunches and they're hauling water and they're sharing with everybody. They, leaned into what first people do really well. I mean, we do a good potluck, right? Um, and they're doing that now um, because that's the way they're gonna rebuild community and get to the place where they can actually address the deeper problems. And um, community is, is essential. It's what's making change possible. It's gonna make healing happen. Wow. Melanie, where, where has been the, uh, so where are the challenges and um, with, and I'll, let me just say this ignorance. I, I, let's put everything on the, on, on the table here. I had to go take care of my baby, so now I'm back. <laughs> but I just, so, so I'm in fear that Rabbi already asked this question. Um, but, but where is, uh, I guess, the challenges of the pushback where we're all going to feel like, I don't know what we're doing, or I got a community that's not really ready for this truth telling. 
Like, what, what, do, what do we do? Like, we, as a church, the other day, we posted a, a poster on our Facebook wall that just said Black Lives Matter. Um, and, and not everyone's gonna have a positive response to that, right? And, and because I think even something like that term has to be parsed out, I think, and I'll just speak from a white perspective, um, that, that, that some, some whites are like, I don't know, I have an issue with that phrase, right? So there, there's all these churches and temples and synagogues are just in different areas of the country where there's just gonna be this, the, 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 the walk for truth telling and for exploring that awareness of saying, how can we be truth tellers? And also kind of like, can I say like whistleblowers on stuff? Mm. It's, it's gonna be very different. So what kind of advice do you give to us? Or what, let me ask you this, what have you heard out there already that people are just, the struggles that people are happening with? Um, or maybe some impasses. Yeah, yeah. And um, I would say number one, is kind of knowing that the struggle is real, <laughs> to use a phrase that, but seriously, to assume that there's a, um, a lightness or an easiness to it is just going to set you up for failure. Um, the Episcopal Church, we're the church that receives the letter from Martin Luther King written in the Birmingham jail. It went straight to the Episcopal <laughs> Bishop two really? blocks away at the cathedral. And that is true. Oh um, so, and, and so we know this, like you can't walk it, like bravely into the face of creating change in the future without just acknowledging the brokenness that was there. And so, um, so gl we're glad to say that the Bishop of Alabama now is one of the first to say, look where we've been and look where we've been blind and where we didn't hear. And I think that goes to the second part is, where are you hearing your neighbor? Um, it sounds so easy, we miss it. Um, folks here in Washington, DC, even um, locally thinking about what happened on Monday, whose story gets told after you've been through a riot, after you've seen looting or a fire, or after you realize there's long-term damage, are you telling all the stories? Um, and I think that's the number one thing that anybody can do, whether you're a congregation safety in the suburbs or privilege, or whether you're downtown in the streets of Minneapolis, making sure that your neighbor's story gets told. Um, I don't think we always realize how limited the stories we hear on the news are, but you know your neighbors and you know who's in your town and you know the church or the synagogue next door or the temple or the mosque. Um, look out and say, hey, the tales and the stories of my African-American neighbors, of the folks down the street aren't getting told and we're not gonna be able to do anything, hmm. anything at all until we can hear that story. Because um, when we say God loves all God's children, we mean all, all. Uh, be they congregation members or not. And um, there's something to that. There's a logic, there's a holiness of holding every single person's story because we're not going to find the truth without it. Uh, yeah. But can, we're can, seeing, you us, mm -hmm. can, can, can you give us an example? Like, tell us what that looks like. Let's just say no one's ever done that work before. And so you're just sitting there, you, you, you run a, a, you know, a synagogue somewhere and you're like, you know, we've never really engaged with, uh, in, in, this, in this context, we've never engaged with uh, the local like black congregations. Um, how, how do I, how do I start that? You know, I want to hear your story. So what does that look like? Is that a symposium? Do you, do I invite you over to my church or synagogue to come and share the pulpit with me? So like, what, what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think this is one of the times where we are seeing it, there's an art and a science to it. Um, so, is it, so there's not one size fit all prescription, but I've seen like the congregations in Charleston, South Carolina after the shooting at Mother Emanuel Temple, realized that we need to make deeper connections 
And that looks like, yeah, pulpit swapping and sharing, but also asking the AME church down the street, asking the synagogue, asking um, even your secular neighbors, tell us what keeps you up at night. Let's have a shared forum. Sometimes it literally is a potluck, but sometimes it's let's all go down to Mother Emanuel. Let's support the folks there. I know there's sort of a wonderful comfort and kind of going, well, I live out in the suburbs, we got this great facility. Can we bring some of those poor suffering folks up here? But right. um, we found again and again for folks who really, really want to build community. It's about meeting people where they are. And um, sometimes it's helping folks feel really comfortable. I, I love these stories of folks in um, North Carolina and Virginia who found this great source of community building by getting people who are comfortable enough to have their own washers and dryers go down to laundromats um, and just be with folks doing their laundry. You know, it's hearing this other story where they are really makes community and helps people put on equal footing. But there, there are so many examples of folks being there, being with each other. And yeah, sometimes it is having a forum so we can learn. We really do need to learn. But a lot of times it's about making sure you show up for the fish fry, that you go to the, the, the pork carnival, that, that you are there to experience and know what life is like for your neighbors because um, that's how we survive the next crisis. Um, as my good friend, um, one of the moms in Virginia used to say, we're friends now in case the next thing happens. And so you go, you be a part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that, that's uh, very true. So, you know, I, I know that your, is it, is it your life right now is, is so everything, it seems like probably it's on steroids, you know, because you guys have already been doing the work and this is the work. The work, it's not like you guys just started doing it. You've been doing the work for, for you know, the, hopefully the church has been doing it for a long time, but specifically your team has. So now it's like, now it's go time. Now, now it's like, how do we do what we've been doing already, but, but, on, but on steroids. So how have you been taking care of yourself um, just to make sure that you can run the marathon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking because um, that's one of the things we've been um, hearing in social media and all around is sort of, oh, right. We're also human beings. I mean, God wants us to take care of ourselves. There's a need for Sabbath. And, you know, for anybody, be you a trained professional clergy person or, um, you know, a Blue Lives Matter expert watching video after video of, I mean, Incredible violence and brutality. It's it's draining. It kills the spirit. It, it sort of drains it out. And so um, I'm loving being reminded by my friends to go back to the source, um, to take a breath, to say those prayers, um, because they are prayers that you know took King and Heschel through hard times. Yeah, the prayers that took Jesus through hard times. And so um, yeah, we've got to keep uh, holding and nurturing our own humanity, um, taking a breath. Yeah, uh, can't go to all the marches and all the writing and everything like that, but you, you can sort of nurture yourself and know that you are loved. And um, I love my boss, Bishop Curry, because he keeps reminding us once again that we are beloved children of God, and that includes you. <laughs> Put your name in the blank. Yes, yes. Um, nothing goes wrong when you know you're loved. I mean, everything comes out of fear. So, yeah. So I'm I mean, going to listen to you too and take a breath later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to no, please, please take that, take that time so you can. Um, it's it's remind it reminds us all. You know, I have to remind myself and remind others that 
it, it is a commandment <laughs> to take that Sabbath. Exactly. And, and yes. so for us, just go and just work our butts off and, and that doesn't do anyone good. Yeah. So. Sabbath is a justice issue. You know, the, the ability to take a breath and acknowledge your health and humanity is a thing about human, it's a human rights issue. And so I don't think, I don't think any of our religious leaders have been protected that. So for, uh, you know, we're getting towards the end of the show here. So for, for what is some, some, some advice you have for this rabbi and this, and this priest here, um, as in uh, uh, knowing that we're, we're in a, so we're in Martin County, we're in Southeast Florida, uh, we're in a pretty homogenous area. Uh, and, but I think we both have congregations that are hungry. You know, if rabbi tell me if, if, if I'm misspeaking for, for your congregation, but hungry, um, maybe, uh, uh, are not mm -hmm. been been well practiced in the movement, but are definitely hungry and are definitely honest and authentic seekers of God's justice. Um, and if 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 what would be some good like next steps or things for the rabbi and I to think about as we approach like okay, um, how do we see this the long term, not short term? but long-term, like, is, is, is it a matter of sitting down with the team and saying, okay, so guys, this is not just like a, let's invite the Baptist preacher over to our church and say, let's have a dialogue, but how do, how do we begin to vision and dream, like, mm. about the marathon? Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I love that, that uh, aphorism, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm. Um, and and one, seriously, number one, acknowledge that as um, a church that's been leaning in for a long time and learning a lot of this work is about white people learning to talk with white people about what the blocks are and we're afraid um sort of finding those resources to help people learn how to own their own stuff be it the becoming beloved community and tools and stuff that we've got or that comes from all traditions um helping folks tell a truth about themselves there are resources out there um, and helping them learn to do it in community. That is radical and it is hard, but it's not, you know, it's not a dirty word to say, listen, I'm a person who's had certain privileges or backgrounds and together we can learn about telling a truth and seeing ourselves in the broader story. Um, and secondly, no matter where you live and down in Florida, you definitely have this. There are other congregations of people of faith working on the tools together to change their communities. And a lot of times they're not exciting. Um, spending three years with your interfaith community that's looking at um, uh, incarceration statistics or school expulsions or even access to food stamps. Um, mm -hmm. That's not going to get the front line, but being a part of those coalitions is, is just as good as having a party together because you're working together. Um, you are building change where it really counts in your community. It's but it takes like learning, um, learning what's, what's, where does injustice show up in my community? It looks very different, but there's always somebody there. Um, always somebody there doing their research, showing you that you might be in a community where um, drug abuse and use is especially high, or you might be in a place, like I said, where um, incarceration is particularly problematic. Um, and then, and then preaching and teaching about it. Um, and this could be just a problem, but we as faith leaders have got to like set the examples to help people identify the issue and identify the ways in which they can get involved because it is a marathon, but we can set the tone. We have a, an ability to set the moral agenda. And um, that's the one thing that we can do that no one else can do right now. 
This is so good. I mean, what I love about this show, I don't know about you, rabbis, I just always learn so much. And I think that 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 parting wisdom right there uh, is fantastic. I could just see that the, the, the rabbi and I coming together and say, let's, let's take one of these issues. Let's 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 take um, criminal justice, uh, you know, the issue with incarceration and how do we work together um, for the long run, right? You don't have to solve this overnight, but for the long and run I, in all of our congregations. And, and I and I think I think Reverend Anderson, you know, we we we've 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 addressed the issue in some way. I know we've said this in the past. Is it important that you look, we're two white guys talking about a racial issue. And is that appropriate? Is it fitting? And I think the more that we engage and understand the question, absolutely, right? It is, if, if this concerns any of us in our communities and how we approach the world and see the world, if it doesn't affect you, I think you need to recheck your priorities. It does affect us, whether mm -hmm. it be um, um, uh, African-Americans, whether it be Asians, whether it be Jews, Christians, Muslims, whatever it is, it affects us immensely. Um, and I know, I know, Reverend Melanie, I know uh, you, as, as you passionately um, referred to Rabbi Heschel, and Rabbi Heschel has one of the most impactful and what I believe as really the most important uh, uh, quotes that uh, he's ever used is uh, a phrase that may be familiar but came out of the civil rights movement is where Heschel had said, pray as if everything depended upon God, mm -hmm. act as if everything depends upon you. And I think that there's something really powerful that we're seeing with this movement today um, of the fact that this depends on me. And it's not just a communal thing, it's an individual thing. Right, the whole adage that says, well, I'm only one person, I can't make change. You absolutely can make change. Because what we're seeing on an individual and a community and collective basis is, 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 is change. That's okay. right. All right, Reverend Melanie. So that is our show. We are so grateful. Um, and I know for any of these resources, people could just go to the Episcopal Church's website, I'm assuming, episcopalchurch.org. Episcopalchurch.org, yes, yeah. Definitely. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. Love is the way. Yeah, we'll get through this. God bless you. You've been so wonderful. You've taught us all. We're inspired. And keep fighting the good fight. And uh, God be with you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, everyone. For another episode, catch us on the podcast. You can catch us on all podcast platforms. We will see you next Friday here on A Priest and a Rabbi.